Sometimes these patterns that we're in are very hard to break out of. I would encourage the person to, uh, you know, bring it before the Lord in prayer and ask for a, a fresh anointing for that project. And I promise you, you're going to see something pretty quickly. You're going to start getting signals that God hears you and he's calling you to that new work. I call that stretching yourself. So you stretch yourself with the Lord. Seniors to seniors, whether a senior in college or senior in your mature years, the common denominators of every stage of life is explored as host Robert J. LaCosta interviews seniors about how they got to where they are and how they are continuing to crush it in their mature years. LaCosta is known as the senior editor because he has interviewed seniors for the past three decades and is perhaps the longest running writer in this narrowest of niches. This podcast affords him the opportunity to pass along the same sagely wisdom that he has received from elders and has admired during his 30s, 40s, 50s, and now. LaCosta is a board-certified hearing instrument specialist who has helped over 10,000 seniors overcome hearing impairments. He draws deeply from the intimacy and privilege of those relationships. And now, it's time for The Age Sage. Robert LaCosta here, and, and we have the privilege of talking to James Bruner, a longtime friend, and for the purposes of this broadcast, an incredible author, a writer, he's a speaker, he's a radio personality, and now he's developed a series called The Bike Cop, which is a fascinating story about a 20-something college student at a town based in based on Kenny Bunkport in Maine. So it's kind of the setup is summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime. Some, 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 summertime. So this bike cop is supposed to give tickets out, and he ends up getting embroiled in all this drama including a murder and so sets the bike cop up for a series that james has completed three books and has 80 million more in his head and it's headed toward a tv series so jamie take it away and welcome thank you so much bob it's a privilege to be on and uh I'll tell you one way to retire retirement is to write a book. Yeah. And uh, all and, that. It, and that's not tongue in cheek. No, no, that's uh, hoof in mouth. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting uh, run where you may think you're done in life, but you pick up the pen and you start just writing some of your thoughts on whatever it is. It may have been, in my case, it was what was my past like growing up in this special place called Kennebunkport, Maine. And uh, it seemed a lot of self-focus, and, and I started getting bored with myself. But I started, nonetheless, with kind of a biography, as we do when we get into the retirement age. We look back on our lives, and we were thinking, what was my significance back there? What, what, what message uh, do I have to share with anyone? And uh, you do have a message in you. And I had a message in me, but I, I had to change it uh, after chapter one. It could no longer be an autobiography. 
I injected some fiction into it and created this fun character called Digger Davenport, the bike cop. And yes, he gets himself into some troubles. He was supposed to write parking tickets, and he ends up solving murders. Well, you, first of all, Jamie, you have a what they call a sexy protagonist. This is a young kid. He's a great kid. He also has a keen mind for solving issues. He's not just a, a strapping young dude on, you know, that happened to fall into something. Yes, he is like Monk a little bit. He's a handsome hunk of a monk. <laughs> That's a good uh, monk was a, a TV series where the guy was somewhat uh, touched, <laughs> but, but he had a knack for solving crime. And Digger has a similar... Uh, knack. He, he doesn't ask questions that even the chief of police doesn't even think to ask. He just right. he's able to zero in. But let's get back to why a guy who is in his sixties is writing about a twenty-year-old cop, a bike cop. Why is it that God would use a senior to develop a story that could capture? really any generation, but could also capture a young generation. You said originally you were writing it for your kids. Right. Well, I, I think, Bob, you, you, uh, if you look at uh, your life a little bit and your uh, reason for highlighting the, the successes of seniors, it, it says it all. Uh, when we get to this ripe age, we're, we're able to draw upon so many aspects of our lives that people don't understand uh, in different age groups. Uh, we have experience that we can draw together. And the fact that I draw together a 19-year-old a, a uh, kid um, and uh, tell a story through him uh, as a 60-year-old, uh, it just allows me to use some experience. I was a 19-year-old after all. And um, I'll tell you, to our uh, people who want to retire from retirement, um, there's nothing more fun than writing about youth. It, it, it extends your days. Well, it's like when a little kid, a grandkid, or, you know, whatever comes up to you, it, somehow you're younger. How, how is it that a little kid that's four or five or ten, and he's talking about TikTok or something that you don't have a clue, sometimes you can't even understand him, whether you're hearing impaired or not. You don't even know what they're talking about, and you feel young again. Every clock TikToks. I know exactly <laughs> what they're talking yes, about. Yeah, of course. Uh, but no, you get down on the floor with your four or five-year-old, and you start making noises, and you start, you know... And you, know. you become the child. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite capable of doing this. Uh, well, I know. Uh, now, let's get back to somebody <laughs> that, that's that, listening that. right now, and they're 50s and 60s, maybe 40s, maybe 80s, whatever they are. They're like, you know, there's something I haven't done, or, uh, you know, it's just something I'd like to reach the next generation with, or just some ability that I haven't totally, totally tapped into that may be connected with my primary uh, career or maybe a hobby or an avocation. But how did this become writing for you? I mean, as a lawyer, you've written a lot well, of stuff. Well, um, there's, there's, uh, there was a guy, he may be with the Lord now, I don't know, but Henry Blackaby, he was from Saskatchewan, uh, a, uh, a pastor up there, and he had a series called Experiencing God, and it was all about uh, determining what uh, talent God had placed in you from the beginning. And a lot of us are wondering, well, what did God make me to do? And he, he uh, showed there are ways for you to kind of analytically approach 
what is it that God has um, uh, given you talents to do? And I, I did do that course with Henry Blackaby. And what I, I learned, Bob, is that I can tell a story and I can also, well, I was forced to write uh, as a lawyer. I went, I went to uh, law school, Syracuse University, took the first year legal writing course. <laughs> I was like pathetic. Uh, they're like, you need to make paragraphs. <laughs> a sentence gets a period. This is a dangling modifier. Welcome to law school. What are you, a kindergartner? And, and, and so it was embarrassing. Um, and a lot of our growth is embarrassing. Uh, but as my brother says, hurry, it, hurry up and fail. You learn by doing things wrong. But to answer your question, uh, it's a little bit of uh, self-introspection as to what are your talents and discovering them and then breathing on them a little bit, pushing them. So in my case, I said, I can tell stories. Uh, I've told stories to my children, putting them to bed at night, and they're ecstatic about stories that I would just make up in media race, in the middle of my mind, and the next day the kids are like, what happened to Peggy? What did, did she, you know, some would fall asleep early, you know. Yeah. With me, so, when I told my kids the story, I was the one who fell asleep. But that's, yeah, here and there. Yeah. Now, is so it, you just, you see what those strengths are, and then you look for outlets that use those strengths at 40 years, 50, 60, 80 years old, and you push upon it. You launch something. Now, lest somebody would think, oh, well, the bike cop sounds like a kind of a soft read, a summer read or whatever like that. You're an, you're an attorney. So obviously some of, it, some of it gets into a little bit of the legal aspect of it. But you have also, and this gets into aging, experience. You have before, you know, behind you, uh, you know, uh, over three decades of really caring about America, about the youth, about culture. So, yes, you've intertwined some of your personal autobiographical um, background into a nice story about a bike cop, but you really have a heart for this country. And you weave some of that into the character of, of the bike cop, and I have a feeling that's going to be more and more as, as some of the segments go on. So we have a blending of your gifting, which is writing, and your heart, which is for America and for God's kingdom. Amen. I never thought of that. That's, that's brilliant, Bob. Let's write I, it down. I, I, I <laughs> like that. Into a book I, I think that's prophetic. Can I borrow that? <laughs> I um, forgot what I said. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's true that, um, it, well, it, gee, when you write, and especially when you're writing fiction, uh, you can elevate any kind of angle you want to elevate as you write, but first and foremost, you want to entertain. And uh, in the legal space, I, I find that there's a, nothing more entertaining than a courtroom scene. Uh, we're not to date the show, but we're in the middle of the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, uh, trial. And uh, real-life trial cross-examination, getting to the truth uh, because we're we're tired of our media spinning us, mm-hmm. and and so when someone goes, "What happened on that day?" We're used to talking heads telling us any number of things that happened on that day as if they're true. You you sit in a courtroom and you get to watch it how truth is found, and it's called through the adversarial process. Objection, Your Honor. The question is leading. Stop that type of questioning. That's not how we get at truth. So. What we do in the book is we do a fair amount in the series of books. We do go into uh, the legal courtroom and have some of these dramatic scenes on how to get at truth. And this is, in a a way, answering your question of 
what matters to me is absolute truth on why we're here and what happened on a particular event. We're now in a world that has um, truth is your personal truth, uh, and it's that relative. Be, that must be a little tough to swallow as an attorney. It's terrible, um, and actually, you have to you have to bring your client along and go. Uh, no, 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 no. It's not what is your personal truth. It is what is the truth, and and that it, and that gets right into theology. Yes, it does. And apologetics. Uh, absolutely. And, <clears throat> now, uh, so that is what fires me up. But the bike cop is not a theologian. It's not dry. It's not nothing no, like that. No, he actually is uh, at times a backslidden Christian. Uh, at times he's lukewarm Christian. And uh, at times he is uh, crying out for God uh, because of his uh, circumstances. He's like a bar- lot of did us. You bar- <laughs> Did you borrow him from Pablo Costa? Uh, yes, Bob. Uh, <laughs> you didn't tell me that. I want a cut of the royalties. Yeah. Well, he's yeah, now preaching he, the crowds yes. like you. you. But, yes. he, he, yeah, he's a real dude. Yeah, he's, he's real. Um, uh, he's an acolyte in a mainstream church uh, who's had a born-again experience. And uh, he's, he's trying to uh, explain to the mainstream church that he's in what, what it means to be born again and what happened to him on the mission trip. And his uh, minister's like, What? Wait, no, well, we don't kind of do that here. Yeah. Hey, listen, wrapping up, and we've got to do a, another segment at some point. Um, you touched on some of the uh, racial um, stuff. It was in your second book or it, the first book? It's, it's, in, uh, it's in book one yeah. and book three. And Big time book three. Uh, yes, and it's, it's fantastic um, because um, you would say, well, a bike cop, how does he, uh, how does he uh, brush up or ride past is the metaphor uh, some of the issues of our day and yet he does oh, he rides and, right and, into him and, and he rides right into him and you did not even know anything about what was about to happen across America sweeping across America right. when you were actually writing about this that was almost like a prophetic aspect of the book uh, absolutely and, and in a way it, it should change my uh, marketing um, angle, which would be that racism is a issue that needs to be discussed honestly. Book one, we've got a black bellhop that's framed for the murder. By a and, white guy. By a white guy, and, and he's, he's carted off uh, unceremoniously, and the, uh, the uh, chief, chief of police basically says, we've got our man, and Digger. And tells the media. Yeah. So now it becomes this uh, this thing that in the court of public opinion, this, it's black, done. this, it's black, over. this black man yeah. definitely committed it. And, and his, his his jacket. His vest. His yeah. vest yeah. was found right near the girl. Yeah. And so we get the most awful stereotypes imaginable of, of sexual innuendo and um, a black man. Yeah. And you, as an attorney, have a heart for that. Yes. And you're, even though you're, you're now the author, in a way, it's a thinly veiled... Um, portrayal of your heart as an attorney to get to the truth instead of these awful, awful stereotypes. Yeah, that's and, congratulations. Well, I mean, I mean, thank that. you. Thank you. Uh, uh, in uh, book three, we go even deeper into mixed race marriages, and it's interesting to note in the state of Maine, um, in the land of the frozen chosen, state of Maine was the last state to remove the bar against mixed-race marriages. Um, Virginia was the last in the country in 1970s. But Maine kept a a bar against a black man and woman, or white woman getting married uh, well after the Civil War. And we explore uh, the the downside of that. Uh, 
and, and what that produces. So, you know, it's interesting, Jamie, because of your heart, because of your legal uh, skills and background, and your background growing up in like a lily white vacation town, uh, Kenny Bunkport. Not, not to, uh, uh, you know, throw any, uh, cast any uh, uh, very dark clouds over that little town, which is a beautiful vacation place. Um, but you actually grew up seeing some of the uh, ramifications of almost the bubble. Yeah, I lived in the bubble there, um, and uh, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not that uh, aspect of it. Uh, well, not, uh, no, but the, uh, that's why I wrote the book. I mean, to live on Ocean Avenue with crashing surf below your window and, and get on a bicycle and go down to the, uh, the boat club and get into a little four-horse uh, engine boat and go for the day, you're talking... Uh, bucolic yeah uh and that's why i wrote the book is uh because one kids can't do that easily these days parents won't let them out of their sight until they're 15 or 13 i'm doing it at eight uh the freedom we had as children uh to explore our world uh was was special and that's why i wrote the book but no you're you're right um it it is a, a privileged setting and um uh, but I, I don't write about it like with a chip on my shoulder, like like uh, it needs to be brought down. It's yeah, not right. Right, right. Ah, right. oh, God bless those hard workers who learned those houses mm. on those ocean abs. It's it's a, a pinnacle of uh, hard work. I mean, I'm sure some made it uh, by stepping on the necks of other people. But no, there's people who ran the Alcoa company, for example, who have houses on the ocean. Is, is aluminum foil bad? Yeah. Um, are, are we going to tear it down because of that? Uh, other f- four or five houses right on a row, right on the ocean, huge cottages. Well, they made linen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, someone could say, and sometimes well, it's generational. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's generational work. Yeah. So if a person is listening right now and they've worked 10 years or 40 years, Multiply that by two or three generations, and that's what it took to buy, right. the, buy are, and build are, are that gonna, Are we going to tear that down no. and gonna say, oh, no. that's a bad model? But we well, di- that's what we're looking at. Yeah, uh, but it's we, happening. Di- we digress a little bit, but let's get back to, in wrapping up here, if, if there's someone out there who's listening and saying, I am 60 years old, I'm Jamie's age, and uh, I might be, uh, you know, have a helps ministry, or I might uh, just want to help somehow make this a better world. I may not be a writer. I may not be a filmmaker. I may not be um, a podcaster. What? How do they pivot? Uh, it they've got to pivot in their mind first. Uh, it's, it's what's the blockage? Uh, it's it's kind of scripting that can't do it. Too old, too tired. Uh, it it it's a mind thing, and uh, sometimes these patterns that we're in are very hard to break out you, of. I would I would uh, encourage. The person to, uh, you know, bring it before the Lord in prayer and ask for a, a fresh anointing for that project. And um, maybe even do some journaling about your prayer requests. And you'll see that the Lord does answer those prayers. So if it were to turn a new chapter looking to get involved in something else, bring that before the Lord. And I promise you, you're going to see something Pretty quickly, that is, it may be a word that someone says to you in the grocery aisle. It may be a sign uh, along the highway, like a billboard. And you're going to start getting signals that God hears you, and he's calling you to that new work. And that I call that stretching yourself. So you stretch yourself with the Lord. So even, in if, and even, stretch if, it. even if you're a little afraid. 
maybe a doubt? Uh, absolutely. Do you, do you still fight off any doubts at all sometimes or get uh, sluggish about I, the I, My the palms vision? are sweating right now, Bob. Yeah. I was sitting here talking to you on the, the phone I don't, or, or whatever we're doing here, microphone. Uh, yes, but you just you, you kind of move through your fears and... Um, You'll see. He's on the other side of that. Do uh, it afraid. Do yeah, it afraid. Absolutely. You just move through it. Well, we are talking to one of the most talented and joyful father, grandfather, husband, friend, uh, attorney, son of God, James Bruner, who has also uh, developed a uh, future television series called The Bike Cop, now available in book form. And he is a living testimony that a birthday does not define you. This is Robert LaCosta thanking Jamie for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, it's robertlacosta.com. 